Up in the morning and out to school The teacher is teaching the golden rule American history and practical man Oh my head, I wish you could have heard all that during the break. 18 minutes before the hour here, we continue with Felix Alvarado under fire by your humble host over standardized testing. Not that he is necessarily an advocate. His job, among them, at the Straight A Academy, is to help your kid understand those bleep standardized tests so that they can do well on them. We can argue whether or not we should have them. We can argue whether or not they should be. But we have to deal with the practical reality that they're there! And so if you're like me and you want to give your kids every advantage they can possibly have in representing well on these standardized tests, you'll get involved with the Straight A Academy located right here in Bedford. And I can tell you, it's, it's, been, it's been worth it. My son is, uh, you know, I think probably the most shocking thing to him was getting the results back, which we wouldn't have known to ask for had you not said, okay, when you sign up for the test, get the one that's got this, you know, the QAS. Yeah, yeah. the yeah, alphabet soup after it. Mm-hmm. Because that actually sends the test with the questions he was asked and the answers he gave. And apparently he had a couple dope moments like, and you were able yeah. to diagnose why he got them wrong, either because he just forgot a formula or didn't pay it, or surprisingly, he mistimed the test and obviously didn't have time to finish and just did that whole, let's fill in C to get right. to the end. Right. Um, so I expect that when he goes back on October 7th, he's probably going to do uh, better than he did the first time around, which he got an 1,100 combined score, mm-hmm. which is better, honestly, than I thought he'd do because he's he's cursed with the uh, Gerard inability to take a standardized test. I was never a Scores good standard. Scores were above average. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, you know, <clears throat> I finished 12th in my class uh, at, at West High School, and I got a combined 1120, I think, after my second or third time taking the SATs. I think I first scored a 1060. I graduated magna cum laude from Boston College, and I think I was in the 51st percentile when I took the LSAT. So, you know, I'm sorry, and my sister, who is brilliant when it comes to, uh, you know, she's a biologist, a microbiologist, brilliant. She couldn't get a decent score on the MCAS or MCAT or whatever they call the medical, uh, the standardized test for uh, entry into medical yep, school. MCATs, yep. Yeah, MCAT. She couldn't, get, she couldn't get a decent score out of that thing to save her life, but she knew the science cold, right? So our family is cursed with standardized test mess. And so Dominic is uh, much more confident, much more at ease. I, so I can, I, I can, I can get an honest testimony that your services are valuable. Learn more at straighta.com. All right. So I left you with a hand grenade as we <clears throat> walked into the, into the break. Let's play hot potato. Feel, feel free to pull, put, try to put the pin back in. Well, no, they're, they're definitely, when you look at the way the standardized tests uh, score uh, and the way they, the way they measure their it's very maddening to try to understand how does that translate. But but what matters is, and in the long run, is how do the colleges interpret them? Because at the end of the day, that's that's what that's what the vast majority of kids are using the tests for is to qualify, you know, hit the minimum requirements to get in to be able to get into a college that they want to go to, as well as try to push those scores a little higher and qualify for for uh, merit scholarships. <clears throat> so. How do the how do the um, what is the what are the industry standards and and uh, it's widely accepted across industry standards that if you could boost your score by even forty points that's a great thing and you should take the test again if you could if you were able to boost it by forty points mm-hmm. and um, you know I'm we I 
had a student just get back to me saying that her score went up 140 points in math only. Wow. You know, so that was exciting to get to, to hear back. Uh, another student scored 90 points higher in math only, and a couple of students were scoring in the 120, 140 points overall. Okay. So, so when you can when you can get that kind of a return, then it has a huge impact on college applications as well as merit scholarship monies, and that's and that's what I'm you know more about the pragmatic purposes, uh, right. and not so much you know how do they do it. Well, like I said, I it left my head spinning when the PSAT ended up explaining to me. Well, it's not exactly percentile because I because I pointed out to them I had a student in the ninety seventh percentile qualify for National Merit Scholarship. Why does my 98th percentile not get in? Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, by the time I, by the time they finished well, explaining it to me, I was ready yeah. to jump off a bridge. Well, I, you know, I called the, um, uh, you know, I, uh, recalling the press release that Goffstown sent out announcing that Hannah Tate had been a semifinalist. Uh, <clears throat> it, it said something in there that kind of caught my attention. I reported it and I didn't really look into it, but it said that the, the, the top, the, that they take from each state it's top two percent or whatever Again, it is. Correct, and, but it's not percent. It's whatever uh, they explain. But you're right. They, right. They, they, right. they take allow, for so mm-hmm. and so. New Hampshire's top whatever could be um, not qualified based on the top performers in other states. So rather than it being sort of like an overall nationwide thing, they 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 do it on a state by state basis. Yeah, and no offense to the people in, in in Mississippi, but for example, you could be in the 95th percentile in Mississippi and qualify for the National Merit Scholarship there, right. whereas you know tons of kids here in New Hampshire at that same level would not qualify mm-hmm. because the standard is higher in New Hampshire. Right. All right. So where do we go next? Well, you know, well, you know what I, I don't know if you want, but I, in general, I, I have to I have to ask you. One of the things that Manchester has done, which I think is a great thing, um, is it's completely overhauled its approach to testing. Instead of having multiple schools do multiple tests or multiple schools do all kinds of different tests and not having a uniform schematic, it's basically said from grades one through grades eight. At every school, you're going to do the iReady assessment without getting into the merits of iReady versus anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, going to, you're going to do this. And this is going to allow us to develop a continuum to determine how the child is progressing based on a uniform standard from year to year to year to year. And it's going to allow us to, uh, in the aggregate, take a look at how schools are doing in general and versus each other. Okay, I'm down with that approach. But the other night at the Curriculum and Instruction Committee, there are three schools that are part of this uh, Leslie Literacy Initiative that are going to, in addition to what the district has now cleaned up, and it got rid of a bunch of junk, going to be doing another series of tests required by this uh, this study that, interestingly, we're paying to be part of. I mean, usually, hey, we're going to do a study. Usually, they pay you to be part of their study, but no, we're paying them to be part of their study. <laughs> Because yeah. that's, I mean, it's a privilege of being a guinea pig. For the privilege of being part of our study, you're only going to pay us this number of hundreds of thousands of dollars over the next five years. Yay. <laughs> but I wasn't getting, you know, straight answers to questions about benchmarks. Is it going to be consistent from year to year? Is it going to be consistent versus other school districts that are using the same? Be- and, and it just gets confusing <clears throat> to me. So in your mind's eye, as somebody who... Uh, helps kids with standardized assessments. In your mind's eye, 
what does a standardized assessment need to provide um, over time and across its users in order to present parents and students and educators with an with a valid assessment of what their student is doing. Well, I don't know if I could answer that in, in this uh, venue, but it's, you know, that's, that's a question that we well, have that, to, it was asked in this. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a question that, <clears throat> you know, professionals are wrestling with all the time. And, and one, um, you know, one standardized test is better than another because it has, um, you know, vetted its questions better. Um, you know, I think pre-vetting the questions is an important part of it. But, um, you know, oh my goodness, that could go a whole, di- whole bunch of different directions. But consistency, obviously, is the key. And, and um, as far as, you know, what it is you're trying to measure, at the end of the day, I'm always concerned when you finish, when you state what you're going to measure and you get your results – I'm always concerned about what are they going to do with the data? How are they going to skew the data? Because during the break, we were we were saying, you know, repeating that quote from uh, 1800s uh, British Prime Minister Benjamin Disraeli, who said there's three kinds of lies. There's lies, damned lies, and statistics. statistics. <laughs> right? So I'm – and I see this all the time in my industry. For example, <clears throat> you see – you see promises that you're, you'll boost your score. I, I, this, one has, this one site has the audacity to say, if you want to boost your score 100 points, pay this much. <laughs> if you want to boost it 200 <laughs> points, pay this much. Oh, if you man. want to b- boost it 300 points, pay this much. And and now, I, is there a refund <clears throat> if the scores don't get boosted by the advertised amount? But they will get boosted by the advertised amount. You know why? No. Because they're not talking about real SAT versus real SAT. They're talking about their first SAT that they give the kid and the last SAT they give the kid. In other words, it's their material. So you can skew the questions. You can uh, skew the data. Well, I'm going to give you my hardest okay. test possible the first time you take it. And then I'm going to condition you and give you my end test that is going to be very easy for you to do much better on. And look at that. Look at this is uh, – and it's not real but, test versus real test. But see, this is part of what I was getting to because a year ago when we started opening up this discussion because test scores were coming before. Us, you know, we were told that different schools could actually determine what their cut scores or benchmarks were going to be. And so the progress they were allegedly making from one year to the next could be varied based on their starting point. So if, you know, if school X was using a, you know, uh, uh, you know, a benchmark of A and school Y was using a benchmark of B and there was a 20 point difference between the two benchmarks, whatever the right terms were then school A was going to automatically show more progress because they started at a lower point, even if they got to the same place. And it turns out that the the city schools weren't doing that. But in a number of these assessments, whether it's the smarter balanced, I know we're talking about the SAT, but a number of the assessments that are even used within schools themselves, either the, the, the teachers or the building principal or the district itself can determine what the starting point is so they can kind of fudge the end point and claim growth where there right. isn't any. Yeah, and then and, and then, they can change it from year to year. That's the problem. So that was kind of like the thrust of I was getting to. And then unfortunately I got to say I got to say one more thing though because you know, what, uh, the assistant superintendent uh Christine Martin at the at the meeting when when this discussion was going on said, "Well, those benchmarks changed based on what the the research data shows us about kids and their performances on the test." I almost fell out of my chair. 
What that basically means is we had to skew the data. What that basically means is, is no, there is no consistent standard over time against which things can be measured. Right. So it's, I use yeah. the example, like when I was in high school, if you got an A, that meant you get at least a 93. Today, if you get an A, it means you get at least a 90. Mm. Well, if you know one of my kids gets all 90s and gets an A... Did they do as well as I did when I got A's with the minimum score of 93? The answer is no, not mm. on the numeric value, but on the uh, on the score yeah. value. Right. You, they if, did. Or the graded value, they did. You just rename it. It's, right. It's no longer an A minus, it's an A. But also, for example- Oh, no. Um, back in that day, 90 was a B plus. Right, well, and, and it really depends school to school, too, as, to mm-hmm. far, as far as how you- Right. How they end up uh, scaling that. But, right. But- um, and then are you talking about, like, if one year we like the results by looking at our top quartile, mm-hmm. our, top quart- our top quartile students did better, but the two middle quartiles did worse or a little bit less, uh, or, and what about the bottom? They're going to they're gonna go to whichever quartile of students yields them the best results so that they can, they can stand there and make a confident, straight-faced claim that they had that they were able to show improvement, but maybe the top quartile um, decreased, mm-hmm. whereas the bottom quartile increased. Is that a good result? I don't know. But again, there's a thousand different ways to play with statistics and data to be able to tell a straight-faced lie. So, what's the upshot here on standardized tests? What do parents and kids, when it comes to these tests, really need to focus on and look at for their own individual? Uh, uh, yeah, I think, I think you hit it on, on an individual level is the point. I mean, once you start dealing with a massive groups of people, um, you know, I'm trying to be very, very careful as we go forward. I don't want to try to skew data. I want to try to give real measurements as, as we get our data back from how the schools are doing, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't want to say, hey, this the school score went up by 20, 30 points, but that's normally how much better the previous class would do. I mean, uh, so in other words, how much better they would do than the previous class anyway. So I had no impact. Right. So I don't I don't want to try to lie with statistics. I want to be very careful with that. But I think the point is it's on an individual basis. That's where it has to lie. How does the individual do on the same standardized test uh, over the same standardized test, which is why, you know, um, especially when it comes to SATs and ACTs, college entrance exams, my experience is that kids can continue to improve as they get more and more familiar with the test, more comfortable with the test. And so that's why typically I don't see students peaking their best scores until the third time they take it. And unfortunately, when they're in the in the school, you know, here's a standardized test, boom, take it. And they're like, for the first time seeing it, they're like, well, I'm not used to this. So of course I'm not going to do as well. But if they are used to seeing it, like like I said, we're trying to trickle out the information to the teachers to use mm-hmm. in their classroom so that they can get the kids ready. So they're doing the job, you know, one West math teacher pointed out, well, you know, they, of course they're going to do better in the algebra and the math because the, if the, their juniors taking algebra two and we're teaching them over the school year, of course they're going to do better. But we did that, right? Because we, the teachers taught them and, and that's true. But uh, the point is, how does that student do real test over real test once they have the algebra two? How do, if they take it again, how do they do? Right. And, and you got to take it on an individual basis, and that's, that's my area of expertise is helping individuals improve their scores. And I'm trying to translate that individual expertise into how can I move an entire school score.
Well, if you want to move your kids' score, straighta.com is where you can learn more. That's straighta.com. I can tell you it worked for my kid, probably worked for yours. Felix, is always good to have you in the house. Thanks, Rich. Good to be here. All right, it's Felix Alvarado of the Straight A Academy. We're going to take a quick break for traffic, weather, and sports. We'll be back with a preview of tomorrow's busy show. We're not done yet. Stay with us. Tomorrow's show is going to get off to an early start. Ward 4 school board candidate Mark Flanders will be in the house. Mike Bistity and guest will join us for Fitness Effects. The good boys at Auto Care Plus will be in the house for Auto Care Corner. Hey, both my cars passed inspection. Isn't that exciting? Al Caprillion will be in at the weekend weather. James Patrick Riley will join us for the history segment and oh, so much more. For the entire team here at Toronto at Large, I am your ever-humble host, Rich Gerard. Thanks for tuning in. Until tomorrow, be good, be well. Don't do anything we wouldn't do. It's proud to have the audience. Thanks for being there. Please remember our sponsors. Give them the first opportunity to earn your business and let them know you heard about them on Draw at Large. It matters. Be good, everyone.